Yo, I know it's been a while, everybody, but welcome back to the Demo Tape Podcast. I want to appreciate everybody who's been out there listening. I see um, people are still tuning in and listening to a lot of the old episodes and things, so I appreciate everybody out there that's doing that, supporting. I'm sorry I haven't been here for a while. I got a lengthy story to explain why. Not too lengthy. I'm sorry to want to bore y'all, but um, I pretty much, uh, in the last month and a half, my girlfriend came back from an extended trip. My brother graduated uh, high school, so I had to go see that, and I went to go uh, California and see some friends, and so uh, a lot of my time was spent otherwise, but I'm back here for y'all, you know, doing what I do. So, um, after seeing, but but the thing about it is, my trip to LA was kind of spoiled because it started off on the wrong foot, so the plan was for me to go from... Atlanta, go see my brother graduate high school, then go from Atlanta to LA, and so I go see my brother graduate high school, cool, you know what I mean, all that was, that was really great, some brothers, some young brothers in there could be going to Brown, and all that stuff, like all the, the Ivy League schools, and intelligent brothers doing big things, and it was good to see that, um, the logistics of it though, they had it in like, had it at, I think Georgia Tech, which I don't understand, why they just didn't have it at the high school, or whatever, it was kind of, Difficult getting to the location. But other than that, the graduation was great. I was happy to see my brother, you know what I mean, uh, graduate high school. Uh, you know, just as a young black man, just completing that task. It's not really what it used It doesn't mean economically what it used to mean, but it's still something, you know. And so that was very cool. And then I was going to fly out of, from there. I was going to fly to L.A. So wake up Friday. That was a Thursday. My brother graduated high school on a Thursday. Friday, wake up, look at my email, see that my flight is delayed. I didn't think nothing of it because flights get delayed. So I'm thinking maybe the reason why I didn't think nothing of it is because I'm thinking maybe um, they'll they'll do something about my connecting flight. I tried to call, very difficult to call Spirit Airlines. I'm sorry, I should have said that from the beginning. I flew Spirit. I don't know if I'll be flying Spirit again, but um, they very difficult to contact somebody you got to hit the dial pad like six times like really you got to go to like five different menus to uh speak to somebody and they don't really even help you with that so anyway i went to the airport uh my flight was delayed i was looking at the boarding pass seeing what time i would get there i would get there i, w- I was going to get there around 9 10 or 9 15 or 9 18 or something and, but my connecting flight was leaving at like 9 10 so i'm like how am i going to do this how is this going to work that's what i'm asking the people and so I guess they tried to look and see if there was another connecting flight to L.A. that night. They said there wasn't one. I don't know how there wasn't one. And they were very rude and condescending about it. I didn't like that because it was black people. And I don't like when I get bad customer service from black people. It was very disheartening to me. And I did. I got a lot of it. And I was trying to ask for help. And people were telling me to just catch my flight. And I'm like, why would I catch a flight that has a connecting flight that I'm going to miss the connection? My destination is not Las Vegas. If my destination was Las Vegas, it would have been cool. If I had a direct flight to LA, it would have been cool because a direct flight is delayed. It's not a direct flight. I had a connecting flight. And nobody seemed to understand that, nor did, they, nor did they seem to care. So I was like, wow. I won't be flying Spirit again. Then I got talking to some of my homies about it. So I got delayed pretty much a day. And then um, I talked to some of my homies about it. They were like, yeah, man, you don't see all the memes. Even my mom was like, you don't see all the memes about Spirit? I was like, no. And... I know I, I experienced spirit, and the flight itself wasn't actually bad, um, but they get delayed a lot. Like even when I flew, I had to got redirected to Detroit or something, and the flight got delayed. And coming back, I think from LA, the flight got delayed. And then when I got to LA, because I was only there for one day, I didn't get really, really get to move around like I kind of like I wanted to or see a lot of the people. So if you're listening to this, if I told you I was going to get up with you in LA and I didn't, I'm sorry because I was only there for such a short period of time. I just had to. Just do what I could. Um, I didn't really get to do much of what I wanted to do at all because I was there for such a short period of time. Uh, and then when I was there, the weather, it was cloudy. I was like, dang. I was like, yeah, man. But 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 I will say, all in all, it was still cool. Um, just being out there, being in California, you know, cruising the streets and things of that nature. And so I'll definitely make a return trip. But I won't be flying spirit. I think it has more to do with the airport. I was told why, but still, the customer service about it was kind of like was kind of rude. And I get it, you know, maybe there's nothing you can do about delayed flights. And I understand a lot of a lot of things are out of your control. But a customer service is supposed to be there to 
pretend like your job is to care about my connection, connecting flight. And it's like people didn't care about my connecting flight. And then, you know, they didn't seem to understand the frustration of being delayed in the first place. I don't know. Like, that's just a natural thing when you get a delayed flight. Just automatically just put stress on you. And so, um, but L.A. was cool, you know. Uh, went to eat some food spots in Goodwood, you know, did the whole dispensary thing, you know, did the L.A. thing. One saw that, you know, we went to Venice, it wasn't nobody out there, obviously, because it was not a good day in LA. But still, it was chill, though. Everything was pretty chill. So I enjoyed myself. I'd definitely probably be coming out there hoping. And I, I don't got to hope. I'm pretty sure I have to hope. But, you know, the sun will be out the next time I go to visit Los Angeles because, I don't know, it was cool. I really enjoyed myself. For the, for the little bit of time and the little bit I got to do, I feel like there's a lot more that I could have done and will do and will be. But the real thing that surprised me was the weather. I was like, wow, the weather is not sunny. It's not sunny. It was like raining, too. I was like, what? It's supposed to be L.A. But it happened. So I just, you know, it just was a bad trip. I got delayed. Then it was raining. So anyways, though, a lot of stuff happened, though, since I took a mini vacation, which I don't even know if at this stage of the game I should even be doing that. But. I took a mini vacation A lot of things happened uh, The last episode I had did I had spoke about How I thought Kevin Durant Had popped his Achilles And Lo and behold he, NBA Finals He comes back In 12 minutes He pops his Achilles And That really like Destroyed me As a fan I don't know why either It just was really bad man Because Number one I thought the Warriors Were competition enough For the Raptors Just with Clay And Steph I didn't feel, I didn't see, I didn't understand the need to uh, rush KD back because my belief, just as a fan watching it on TV, was that he popped his Achilles or strained it or something when he took that jump shot and ran up the court because that is what it looks like when somebody pops an Achilles. And so when everybody was saying that he was going to play, I was like, why is he going to play? I kept asking myself, why, 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 why? Like, why would he play? And I guess the question is, they were desperate and they were trying to repeat because I guess they maybe the ownership had a lot of merchandise they wanted to roll out I don't know but the severity of the injury to Kevin Durant it didn't make sense to me that they were rushing him back especially since the team was so competitive without him because minus KD really what changed the NBA finals is Clay's injury Clay's hamstring pull when he and I love Clay but when he when he tried to draw contact on the jump shot like I'm like come on dude like, you kind of did that to yourself, but still, yet still, the Clay injury changed game games three and four because Clay didn't play game three, and then by the time he came back in game four, Toronto had the confidence because they had one game three plus they won game one. So, you know, it was it was all it was snowballing downhill for them. And then obviously he popped his ACL uh, in game uh, five, game six, game six. He popped his he popped his ACL in game six, and so. It just wasn't. It just wasn't meant to be. I guess you could say for the Warriors. But at the end of the day, Kevin Durant wasn't needed, in my opinion. In my opinion, and not to disrespect KD, but the severity of the injury it just didn't make sense. Like it's not like a, a, a sprained ankle where he missed the whole entire series. Like a severe sprained ankle and he missed the whole entire series, and now he's coming back. This is, you know, a, a, a Achilles, a calf, Achilles. It looked like an Achilles, and I'm going to say it's an Achilles because it ended up being an Achilles. And I went on record and said that I thought it was an Achilles. So I'm going to say an Achilles because that's what I thought it was from the beginning. You rushed this man back from Achilles, so I didn't like that. I, I just, I didn't like it. It didn't stain. A lot of people were saying that it stained Toronto's championship. I don't get that. I don't see that. I think that's just what it is. I think in sports, you can only play who's in front of you. I don't think you should ever knock a team for beating somebody. Or, like, a lot of people like to knock LeBron James for saying, for, for dominating the East. And everybody's like, oh, the East was weak. And I'm like... So if he doesn't dominate the weak East, what does that say about him? Like, come on, man. Like, no, he did what he was supposed to do. Um, and that's that. So the KD injury really, really had me going, man. Because at the end of the day, I just I just felt like it wasn't a necessary, it wasn't a, it was an overkill. And it wasn't a necessary move that needed to be made at the time to ensure victory in the series. I think Clay was well on his way to keeping him alive and forcing a game seven. I mean, that's what I saw with my two eyes. I saw Clay was 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 dominating the game more so than Steph. 
Um, maybe more on that in later episodes. But yeah, and I, I just felt like the KD thing just was sickening. And so, you know, um, I'll talk a little bit about free agency later. But of course, you know, we all know what happened now. And the rest is history because it just didn't need to be that. KD didn't need to play. The Warriors could have won, possibly won the series. I, I don't put it past them because they've those three, Draymond, Clay, and Steph have won a championship before. So I don't put it past them. And it looked like it was starting to trend that way, if I'm being 100% honest. I did pick Toronto, but it looked like the series with Clay was coming on. It looked like it was trending that way. And then he popped his, he popped his ACL, and then that was that. So, um, yeah. That's the NBA Finals. Kawhi Leonard, spectacular playoffs, capped off in the right way. I mean, yo, things happen in sports, man. You can't predict it. Guys go down. It is what it is. A lot of championship runs have been decided because a guy went down. You know what I mean? Especially in basketball. If you Like I said, I was telling my dad that I thought the Golden State Warriors reminded me of the 91 Lakers because they were injury plagued. It wasn't that they couldn't win the series, which I don't necessarily knowing what I know and what I could gather from the 80s Lakers teams I don't think that necessarily those guys were out of their prime I just think they, they got injured had they been healthy maybe Jordan doesn't win his first title but Kawhi won his first title and that's just the way to, that's just the way the game goes sometimes so big ups to Kawhi like I said I'm talking about NBA free agency a little bit later but yeah man the KD injury really got me down and like I said um, just, to touch, just to close that off um, it was unnecessary and Bob Myers with his fake tears was disgusting to me because I didn't get it. And he's like, oh, I want to blame somebody, blame me. He's like, yeah, dude, like, why did y'all put pressure on this man to play? But anyway, I'll digress. Hopefully, KD, I have no doubt in my mind, me personally, that KD's going to come back and be KD. I think I believe in modern medicine. And I believe in when you watch KD's skill set, his game isn't predicated on, uh, like, supreme athleticism. He's just taller than you, longer than you, can shoot over you. They can shoot, like, deadly over you. And so, Achilles injury is not going to allow him, is not going to, like, not allow him to be a sniper. You know, his nickname is Easy Money Sniper. Like, he knows what it is. Y'all know what it is. You know, it might make him, maybe it might force him to the post a little bit more. But he's still going to be able to get the turnaround, uh, fadeaway uh, off one foot, turnaround fadeaway, period, turnaround jump shot, period. He's still going to be able to get that shot off. He's still going to be able to get the dribble pull-up three off a screen or in transition. I just don't see how KD's game is going to change. Maybe he doesn't drive to the rim as much. Okay, okay. But I think that's, that'll be supplemented by seeing KD in the post more. And so, I don't understand the fall-off that we think we're going to see by KD. Like I said, maybe we won't see a whole lot of face-up and exploding past people. But I think we'll still see KD dropping buckets on people. I don't think Brooklyn has to worry about that. And so, um, yes. Um... Moving, switching topics a little bit. I want to talk about uh, the NBA free agency. So now that we talk about, I just said KD's in Brooklyn, and that happened. I mean, Rick Buecher had reported that KD and his team were very upset with Golden State about how they handled the injury, and then Andre Iguodala went on the Breakfast Club and said what he said, which was fascinating to say that he had a fracture and the team put out that it was a bone bruise. Like that's pro sports at its best for me. And that makes me think about the movie Any Given Sunday because I like that movie because I feel like that movie was real authentic to what sports life is. And Oliver Stone, he kind of, yeah, maybe he did a little, little maybe too much, maybe. But the, the storylines, you had the old quarterback, the young dude, undrafted, you know what I mean? Wanted to play different positions, but he found his, he found his uh, team and he found his space in the game. You know, you had the running back, you had the team doctor, right? And in the episode, in the, in the episode, in the movie, uh, the team doctor's kind of a shady guy. Like he switches MRIs and tells guys that they're fine when they're not. Uh, he lied to to Lawrence, the Lawrence Taylor character about his neck injury because he know oh he wanted to play. It's just like when Andre Iguodala says that, you're reminded that yeah that type of thing does happen because the team is the team, and that's always something that we sh- always should remember. But I think it's a very appropriate transition to talking about free agency because a lot of people are wondering, or my, like my dad, I think I spoke to my dad, and, um, I saw it on ESPN or whatever. People are saying, like, is free agency bad? Like, is it bad or good for the NBA? And I think it's great. I think player mobility is great because one of the things about Charles Barkley, and I know this may be kind of a, a weird turn that I'm taking, but follow me. One of the things about Charles Barkley is people say, okay, he didn't win a championship. 
People say that about Carl Malone. He didn't win a championship. Well, why didn't they win a championship? John Stockton was a really great point guard, but John Stockton was like, what, 6'2", 6'1", 6 feet as a point guard. And going against, you know, Gary Payton, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen bringing the ball up. You know, some guys that are on ball that he could get switched onto and punished. Or Jeff Hornacek. I'm just saying, the ability to evaluate your team and make a decision and, and have the confidence to play your contract out and then say, look, I did what I did here um, and I'm going on. I don't think that's bad for the game. I think that's great for the game. I think guys teaming up is great for the game as long as it's not super team. I thought Kevin Durant was bad for the game. Kevin Durant going to Golden State, I'm sorry, was bad for the game. Because, like, Clay and Drake, like, it was already, Steph was an MVP. Clay was, could argue, was a perennial all-star, all-NBA player. And it's just like, they just couldn't have been beaten. I beg to differ, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what I think at this moment about the finals where they would have been Katie would stay healthy. But at the end of the day, when KD was healthy, the Golden State Warriors did lose. And I think, the sp in the spirit of competition, I think athletes should want to go against one another. You know what I mean? And so, that's one benefit of the older generation of the Karl Malone and the Charles Barkley is that they tried to compete head-to-head -head with a guy. But the bad side is, what if Karl Malone and Charles Barkley team up earlier in their careers, in the early 90s, when their contracts are up or something like that? Then they have a whole different legacy, and they, and they get to... You know, maybe, yeah, okay, maybe he didn't get it done in Philly. Maybe I didn't get it done in Utah. But, you know, we went over here and we teamed up together and we did it. You never know. And that's the thing. And that's the beauty of today's game is that we'll never not know that KD can be part of a championship squad and be the finals MVP. Maybe if he stays and stays married to Russ for the rest of his career, maybe that happens. But... You know, player mobility is great for the game. I think, and I and I think I think the NBA is even better now that players that that, that the Golden State Warriors are broken up. I think that's the best thing for the NBA because when KD gets back, like I said, I just said earlier, I think he's going to be every bit the player that he was. I think so. I mean, given age and stuff like that, I mean, you have to give that up anyway. But his jump shot is still going to be money. He's still going to be seven foot. So I think Brooklyn is in the in the money. I think Philadelphia is in the money with Al Horford, which. That move, to me, signals that maybe they're trying to build more around Ben Simmons, but maybe I'll, t I'll touch on that um, a little bit uh, later in the, in the show. But, yeah, I'm happy that guys switch teams. I'm happy that Kawhi and Paul George, very strong move by Kawhi, to go to L.A. and team up with and Paul George demand a trade, and I think that's fair, too. Like I, I think sometimes for fans... We have an irrational loyalty to a team, and that, or and, we're, and, and it enables us to not see the big picture on what a team really is. A team is a business. At the end of the day, we bring guys in to play good basketball, to sell tickets, to sell merchandise, to sell concessions, to sell ticket packages, to sell, you know, everything, so that we can make money. And so, if, you, if, the, if the player, it doesn't meet the team standards. The team can cut bait with the player. But sometimes as fans, because maybe you're from a certain city or you just love a certain team, you get married to the organization more than the player. And you begin to see the player as like some type of chattel or somebody who doesn't have autonomy. And that's where I think fans got to take it overboard. I think fans should respect the game. If, if your favorite players can be cut, traded, waived, whatever, I think your favorite player should be able to demand a trade out of a situation. Because once again, I'm going to always go back to player mobility is the wave now. You have to change your mindset from the, the the raw competition or the rugged whatever competition you want to consider the 80s and the 90s basketball or even the early 2000s basketball. Once LeBron went to Miami, the game shifted. And players were like, oh, okay, I can just play out my contract and I'll be free to go wherever. Okay, so if I talk to this dude and he stayed and he played and we lined up our free agency period, we could be free agents together. Like, it's, it's not wrong with it. And it gets us to see better players playing together in their prime competing for championships, which is what we all want anyway. And no player wants to be the guy that doesn't have a championship. Come on, man. So, I think free agency and the trade and the way the NBA, I think the NBA is great. I think the NBA is the best product uh, going. Right now, I think it's surpassing the NFL in popularity. I'm sure it has. I just feel it. I don't have any stats to back that up. This is just conjecture. But it's got to be because the drama of it all, the young players coming in the league are so good. It's just an exciting time for the NBA, man. But like I said, player mobility has made the game so much more better. And I was listening to the Colin Cowherd show the other day. And he had said 
something that I think a lot of people miss when we think about the super team, quote unquote, super team era. That we don't really have that many back to back champions, really, in the super team era. Not that many, but and we've had a, plur- a, a plurality of teams win championships. It hasn't just been, you know, one guy winning all the championships. Yeah, LeBron won two in Miami, but he also lost two in Miami. He lost to the Spurs, lost to Dallas, he lost to Golden State, he beat Golden State. Golden State lost to Toronto, I mean. We're seeing we're seeing some some parody, different teams winning the championship. I just think what KD did when, when he did that move, it kind of just took a little we kind of knew, all fans kind of knew that competition ceased, ceased to exist at that point. And now I think fans are gonna come back because and I think fans are gonna come are coming back to the NBA in droves more than ever before because competition has been re- been restored. No team is allowed to win it. The championship odds that I saw Monday that I wrote down here for this podcast. They have the Clippers as a 3-1 favorite to win the championship. The Milwaukee Bucks are 4-1. LA is 6-1. Philadelphia 71. Golden State's 10-1. Houston's 10-1. Utah's 12-1. Denver's 14-1. Boston's 20-1. Portland's 25-1. These are the championship odds to win the championship next year. Um... The only one I disagree with, I think Houston is way low. I think maybe Houston and Philadelphia should be. I think Houston, I think Utah should be higher. Maybe swap them with Philadelphia because I think what people think Philadelphia is, Utah is, and I, and because because Embiid hasn't proven himself to be. And I said this on previous episodes. If you can go back and listen to older episodes, if you want to know my opinion. But Embiid hasn't proven that he's dedicated enough to his craft to elevate a team. And I think, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, I guess, on here, is that the combination of him and Ben Simmons kind of bump up against each other. Because they kind of do the same thing, minus Ben Simmons doesn't shoot, but they kind of occupy the same space on the floor. They need the same, to be effective players, they need to be on the same space as on the floor. Given Embiid's Lack of dedication to his craft, I think, and I and I also believe that the Al Horford move signals this, that Philadelphia is going to take not just my advice, but they're probably their own advice and build around Ben Simmons for the future, because Ben Simmons is the future of where the NBA is going. You need a guy who's big enough to attack the basket. Does Ben Simmons need to work on a jump shot? Yes, Ben, but but Ben Simmons. His ball handling is superb. His passing is superb. He can attack the basket. He's 6'10". He can post up. As his game develops, as his body develops, he is more of what is going to get you to championships than Joel Embiid is. Especially since Joel Embiid has proven to be dedicated in the gym and in his diet that he can produce the results. Because being hurt, dude, giving us one game of 33, I'm not sold. I think Jokic is better than him. So that's what I'm saying. So I think Denver should be higher than Philadelphia. I think when Philadelphia finally makes that switch... To being built around Ben Simmons and solely Ben Simmons. Excuse me. <laughs> That's when they'll really become championship favorites. And I think Al Horford's a good sign of that because I think what they found is okay, we shouldn't be so limited at our at our big man spot that if Ben's that if uh Joel Embiid is not having a good night that we don't have spacing on the floor so that Ben Simmons can't get up. Because I think Al Horford, if if Joel Embiid misses the amount of games that I think he's going to miss due to illness, sickness, knees, whatever, whatever, uh, hangovers, uh, then they're, 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 Al Horford will still allow them to have shooting on the floor, dribbling, post-scoring, outside scoring, and allow Ben Simmons to be able to do his thing too because he's more of a pick and pop. Because you really don't want Embiid shooting threes. I know Embiid can hit threes, but you really don't want Embiid shooting threes. You don't want Embiid shooting threes. Down the stretch in games, Embiid trying to hit, hit that trailing three, he bricks. I'm not sold in Embiid if you can't tell. I think once Philadelphia makes that switch, I think then they'll be able to go up championship favorites. I don't think Houston should be a championship favorite based on the reports out of Houston saying that they got beef and all the teams, basically Chris Paul and... Uh, James Harden aren't getting along, and I and I and me personally, I don't think the problem in Houston is necessarily the players because guys butt heads. That's what guys do. I was reading the book The Jordan Rules, and if you haven't read The Jordan Rules and you're a sports fan, please read that. It's like I love reading books about the inner workings of how teams go. Like guys beef, like that's what happens. This dude, this is a alpha male testosterone physical basketball or sport in general. Guys are gonna go at it in the locker room 
over over money, women, recognition. That's what's gonna happen. That's not the problem. The problem is you don't have a strong enough coach. A coach is supposed to be the mediator in all of this. When you, it's like it's like a marriage counselor. That's what the coach has to play the role of. And D'Antoni is crap because when you have a strong ego like Chris Paul, you need somebody strong in there. Mark Jackson. I'm 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 gonna advocate because I don't know why he doesn't have a job anyway. But I think Mark Jackson could get Houston over the over the hump because he would have the, the structure of the team isn't necessarily the problem isn't necessarily James Harden taking the shots. I'm sure James Harden, if if given the right coach, would come down off the usage rate because him and Chris Paul do need to have the ball. Chris Paul does need to have the look, the ball a bit more, but Chris Paul needs to be able to run and get everybody else involved because Harden doesn't do that. The assist that he gets, if you watch Harden, he dribbles the ball down the clock down and takes the clock down and. Then maybe he might pass it off for like six seconds or five seconds on the shot clock and guys got to shoot. That's terrible. That's crap. And that, that leads to terrible possessions. With Chris Paul running the point guard, you can get quality possessions. Then every now and then, maybe you let Harden do what he does. But Chris Paul has to run the offense. It has, there has to be some offense. And D'Antoni is the problem. It's not the two players, man. And so Houston's a clusterfuck. Sorry, excuse my language. Houston, Houston is basket cases right now, and I and I just think ten to one they should Utah and Denver should be ahead of them. Portland, I don't believe in Portland. Dave Lillard recently came out of his mouth and said something about how guys shouldn't be teaming up on and becoming super teams and all that. And I'm like, dude, Dave, please, I don't want to hear it. Not from you. You got swept, man. And you got swept in games where you had the lead in all four quarters of those games, and so I don't want to hear it, bro. Like I just don't Not from you bro Like show me something Win some games And Boston's a 20 to 1 Which you know I think Boston's a bit far off I personally think The Clippers are the favorite uh, Closely followed by I would say No doubt No disrespect no, Probably to a lot of people Surprised Golden State And Utah I think those I think I think LA I think the Lakers man They're gonna beef Because LeBron's playing point guard Allegedly We'll see how that works out and I don't know, because I was reading a Bleach Report, and they say that even though Anthony Davis is really good at the five, and some of the best lineups are with him at the five, like that New Orleans had, he doesn't like playing the five. But what if they may need him to play the five? Because once again, that's another one of the things. Anthony Davis kind of operates in the mid, high, high post, uh, you know, low post areas, kind of what LeBron needs to do to operate. So the question becomes can't play AD and Boogie and LeBron all at the same time and so does Boogie how does I don't know because Boogie started last year Boogie started last year when he was healthy so what if Boogie doesn't start this year I don't know I just see Boogie as I just think Boogie's urgent I think Boogie's urgent because he sees all the money coming out and this is maybe this is just some more conjecture of mine but just follow me here Boogie may be a little bit a little bit urgent based on what I'm hearing when I listen to like the NBA reporters talk um, to prove that he's still got it Like he's 100% healthy I think I, I saw on the score He announced I'm 100% healthy It's like okay Alright Alright But What is 100% healthy Boogie Now that your body's taking such um, Hardcore injuries Like such Major catastrophic injuries Like your thigh and your Achilles You know how, What do you look like What is your game How effective are you And that has to be judged Objectively And That may not Mesh with Boogie's ego about, you know, his playing time or his starting time or, you know, his sh- I don't know how many shots he gets. We don't know. I just think Boogie is more liable to. And then LeBron, too, is a drama king. So who knows what stuff he's going to stir up this season. I just, I don't know how the Lakers this first season are going to mesh as a team or if they're going to mesh as a team. I don't know. I don't know, man. LeBron's 34. He's getting old. He got hurt last year. The Lakers didn't make the playoffs last year, which was surprising to me because I thought a healthy LeBron was playoffs. And that, I know he got hurt. I know he got hurt. But still, it worries me that LeBron isn't, that, that he didn't get them to the playoffs last year. Um, and there was some drama that he caused too. And so it kind of maybe messed up some of the young dude psyches. I don't know. I like the way Kyle Kuzma bounced back though. I will say that I watched some Lakers games this year. And uh, I do like the way Kyle Kuzma bounced back. And that's probably why he's still on the team. No doubt about that. But you know, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's Holly, it's very Hollywood what they have in the Lakers. I just like what they have in the Clippers better. They have a dog at the at the, at the point of attack, Patrick Beverly, who's 
never gonna, never gonna like unleash. He's never gonna like let go when he grab onto something. He's gonna be, he's gonna be locked in, focused defensively, physical defensively, challenging every play, diving for every loose ball. Then you got Kawhi, Paul George, both solid All NBA wing defenders. Like, come on, man. Like, come on, man. And they both can get you thirty and lock dudes down. They could just pass off on a given night. One of them could just sink back into playing the defensive role. The other one could take the offensive load. Like, come on, man. Like, I, I just think people are underestimating Doc Rivers at the coach, Lou Williams off the bench. I just like what they have in the, as the Clippers a lot better than what they have in L.A. But we're going to see. I'm sure a lot of you, like myself, are going to be getting that NBA league pass because I want to see the Lakers. I want to see the Clippers. Oh, and by the way, I want to announce that in the spirit of free agency, I have left the Phoenix Suns. I'm no longer a fan of the Phoenix Suns. I am Atlanta Hawks fan now. I'm liking what they're doing over Atlanta. And I want to say this in defense of myself because I know a lot of people might be like, what, you switch teams? Yes, I switch teams. And I want to say this in defense of myself. The idea of being loyal to a team is like severely overrated because unless you're from a place, like I have a homeboy that's from San Antonio. Okay, cool. Like you're born and raised in San Antonio. San Antonio won a lot of championships. I get it. Like I get the loyalty to San Antonio. Uh, or if you're from actually from Los Angeles and you know you like the Lakers, okay, all right, you like the Lakers. You're from New York, you like the Knicks. Um, I don't know, wherever, you know, people like whatever team they like. When you're born in Chicago, you know, Jordan, his legacy still looms large over that franchise, so naturally everybody that's born in Chicago, even though they suck, it's gonna be Bulls fans. Kind of like same thing with the Cubs and the White Sox and all those NFL teams, whatever. But what do I, what does a team really do for any one of us, really? I mean, they take our money. Right, we go buy tickets, we buy jerseys, you know, take our time, we watch games, we dedicate it. And sometimes, in a lot of cases, we don't even get winning squads. So, like, take the Phoenix Suns as an example. Okay, we've, they've had some years, but it was heartbreak because we had Mike D'Antoni. See the correlation? I said D'Antoni is the problem in Houston, and D'Antoni was the problem in Phoenix because Steve Kerr wanted him to play defense, and he didn't play defense. He didn't want to commit to defense, he didn't want to hire Tom Thibodeau as a defensive coordinator. So, Phoenix. Didn't win a championship. Best team. The back-to-back MVP. Young Amari in his prime. Getting you 25 and 10 almost. A night. Balling. Shooters everywhere. Didn't want to commit to defense. Sean Marion. All defensive player. All defense a couple times. Great defender. Didn't want to commit to defense. We lost. Then we got cheated. You know, San Antonio. But that's whatever. It's, it's on D'Antoni ultimately. Okay. So then what happens after they break up the D'Antoni? Just years and years of losing. Which they've never given you enough winning. And as a Suns fan, in defense of myself, I want to say, the Suns haven't given me enough winning for me to be loyal to them. If you're a Spurs fan, you can be loyal. If you're a Bulls fan, the legacy. You know what I'm saying? You can still rock Jordan today if you're a Bulls fan. What's your Bulls jersey? They just drafted Kobe White. The Suns didn't draft Kobe White. But the Hawks drafted DeAndre Hunter. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I made the switch. In the spirit of free I sat back, I took my time, and I made a proper decision for myself. And I'm an Atlanta Hawks fan. I purchased 21 season, 21 game season tickets. I will be in attendance for Hawks games this year. And I'm rocking hard with it, baby. Because I do have to root for a team. But I want to root for a team that's trying to give me something. And really, at the end of the day, you really don't root for the players as much as you root for the organization. Because you, the organization has to keep a winner on the court, on the field, on the pitch, on the on the you know the diamond, whatever. Has to keep a winner out there. And if they're not keeping a winner out there, then you're just rooting for a team because you're from a place. Okay, cool. I could do that for Atlanta because my parents live in Atlanta. You know what I mean? Atlanta's what I consider home. The area of Atlanta anyway. The Georgia, metro, Atlanta metropolitan area. I consider home. So I'm comfortable rocking with the Hawks. I'm comfortable rooting for that city. I've had a lot of great nights in that city. So, but yeah. And I just think those people who feel like, oh, you should just stay with a team through thick and thin. Yeah, you should maybe. Yeah, okay. That's fair. But why? Like, why? I ask you why. If you can't ask me, if you can't answer me why, then I don't want to hear your opinion. Because if you give me winning, if you give me consistent playoffs, like the Spurs, they make the playoffs year after year after year. They may not always be a one seed or a two seed or a three seed. Some years they're a five seed, some years they're an eight seed. But they make the playoffs. And they're constantly retooling and drafting players, drafting guys that they develop, G League guys. You know what I mean? They have a very stable coach, very good GM. Who, who gets very quality players that fit the mold. Everybody does their job in San Antonio. Phoenix, which is terrible. Which is terrible. 
and then the emotional distress as a fan that you go through when your team wins a game against the Los Angeles Lakers, who are also in distress, and the whole NBA world goes berserk. It's like, oh man, the Suns won a game against the Lakers. Oh wow, like hell froze over. And then they release an article telling you how bad the team is, how bad um, uh, the the ownership is, how he's trying to teach players how to rebound. Like, come on, man. Like, why be married to that? Okay, yeah, I grew up partially in my young years of Phoenix cool. Well, there's that. Nah. But, nah. I live in the Southeast. I identify with the Southeast. I'm rolling with the Atlanta Hawks. I'm a fan. And that's that. What else do we got I want to talk about? Yo, man. Like I said a little bit earlier, though. I do like what they're doing out there in uh, Los Angeles. Clippers, I should say. I can't really call them Los Angeles because that's the Lakers. But I really like what the Clippers are doing. If you think about it, man, the man behind it, everybody says it's the Clippers, right? Everybody's like, ah, it's the Clippers. My dad, I love my dad. He's 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 something else. But he says that the pressure's on Doc Rivers, which I do agree. Doc Rivers has a squad. But watch when to take time. And I want everybody to just take time. And I want everybody to marvel. At the greatness of the logo And wonder and, and I want people to understand Why this man is the logo Because Skip Bayless And other people out there Think like He should be uh, That Michael Jordan Should be the logo And I don't think Michael Jordan should be the logo I think the logo is fine What it is I didn't know the logo Was Jerry West Until I don't know I was like I don't know 15 or something I figured that out But up until that point Like I didn't know But now that I know It doesn't matter But now It does matter Because with this man's Track record For people that don't know his playing record, the dude averaged like 27 and 9 and 6 or something crazy like that. His career stats. Go look at his basketball reference. At 6 foot 2, that was his playing career. He was 1 and 8 in the finals. Okay, we knock him for that, right? Because that's how we are, because Jordan went 6 and 0. And Jordan is basketball Jesus, so we have to knock everybody that doesn't win championships like Jordan did. So he was 1 and 8 in finals. He did win one, though. He did win one, and he lost to Bill Russell. Come on. Bill Russell is arguably one of the most dominant eras, the Boston Celtics of the 60s. Come on. He lost to Bill Russell, but he did win one, him and Will. So he goes on, he coaches the Lakers for three years. Then he becomes a front office executive, general manager, I think. He, he coached after he coached them, he helped build, he helped draft James Worthy and build the Showtime Lakers, right? So he did that. Then he drafts Kobe. Convinces Shaq. Yo, Shaq, leave Orlando. Come with us in LA. Go see Kobe in the gym. Yo, we want that kid. Charlotte, what do you want from us to get this kid right here? Give us Eldon Campbell, Vladi Divac. Like, yo, really, dude? Like, seriously? No, it wasn't Eldon Campbell. It was Vladi Divac uh, and some other players. It wasn't Eldon Campbell, though. But um, to get Kobe Bryant. Like, Kobe Bryant, a young basketball prodigy. You know what I'm saying? A dude that was straight out of high school when it was kind of cool. Not really, though. Not yet, people. The way they talk about it. I was watching um the game, actually, the other day of Kobe going against Jordan in his second year. And the way they were talking about it, they kept referring to, like, how much time, like, they were like, oh, he's in college. Like, they kept saying he's in college, which I'm thinking, like, now, like, the average NBA player is, like, 20 years old, so times change, man. That is so crazy. Back then, Kobe was so young, but he was so good, and, 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 it, and, it, and it goes to show that if a player has the confidence, he should be able to go to the finals. But um, Jerry West drafted Kobe Bryant, dude. Then he left. And then he went to Memphis and he drafted Paul Gasol and built Memphis into a playoff team. And then he left and went to Golden State and helped draft Clay Thompson and told him don't trade Clay Thompson for Kevin Love, of all people, which I thought my stupid media at the time was like, it kind of makes sense, but they kept Clay. And I see why they kept Clay now. And that was a smart move now on Jerry West. And then he goes to the Clippers. And now they have Kawhi, they have Paul George. They have Doc Rivers. They have Young Center. They have Montres Harrell, great guy. They have Lou Williams, best six man of the year, excuse me. They have Patrick Beverly, straight menace on point guard. Like, come on, man. Like, everywhere, everything this man touches turns to gold. So I just want to say, Jerry West should be the logo forevermore because this man not was, not, was not only a great player and a champion, he's arguably one of the greatest basketball minds ever, dog. Like, he's literally built dynasties where he go, well, except for Memphis, but, you know, hey. We could argue that if he stayed there longer, he might have built something there too. So yeah, man, shout out to Jerry West, man. You know what I mean? Still getting it done. Build a build a contender out of the Clippers, Ooh. right? And and, and 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 big nuts on Kawhi too, man, for stepping up to stepping up to the plate and saying I'm gonna compete with LeBron. We gonna share. We gonna share the city. 
we're not just gonna share the league, we're gonna share the city. You gonna see me, you gonna know what I'm doing, and I'm gonna know what you're doing. And we on collision course. So I love that too. That's why I said NBA tickets are gonna be selling, man. NBA drama is unlike anything. NFL's uh, NFL's alright, and maybe on later episodes I'll be talking about the NFL, but yeah. Um Summer League. I've been watching Summer League. I don't know if you guys have been watching Summer League. This is my first year actually watching Summer League. Uh because now the proliferation of the games makes it so much easier to watch that I am now becoming a basket, even more of a basketball junkie. Really, I wasn't really. I was more of a football junkie, but now I'm becoming a basketball junkie because I like the way the league is. I like how the players get treated versus the NFL. And so I've been watching a lot of summer leagues, seeing the young guys. I watched the Pelicans the other day. Jackson Hayes, hey man. The Pelicans might have a squad like here with the quickness. Here with the quickness, some horses. Now I don't know how they're gonna keep it all together in this new age of player mobility, but you know what I think? I think the younger generation guys. They'll, under, they'll take the game from LeBron, but I think they'll, and, and those guys, the, the guys that we're enjoying now, the Paul Georges, the Kawhis, the guys like Zion, when it's their turn, they'll take the game from these guys, and they'll, they'll probably do it a little bit better. Because I think what I do like about the younger generation of basketball players is that I think they really enjoy playing with other talented guys on their team. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't do anything to their ego to have another guy who's just as good as them on their team. Well, I think... In earlier eras of basketball, it was a lot of that. It was like, nah, I don't want this guy on my because he's gonna take shots for me. I was watching the 2001 NBA Finals game one. And I was looking at Allen Iverson was averaging. They said in the playoffs when Allen Iverson averaged 31 shots a game, the 76ers were seven and two. I was like, what? Like one dude and Allen Iverson. I mean, that was a specific team, but for the most part, that's what guys were back. That's what Kobe and Shaq ended up beefing over. You know, it's alpha male stuff. I want the ball. I want the shots. He's getting old. He's getting fat. I need the ball. I want to be able to, you know, do my thing on the perimeter because I'm better than him at this stage and age of my career. And so, but I think with these guys, and, I, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like that's what I see with the new AAU guys because they grow up together in essence. Because guys now are getting scouted when they're in their, like, seventh grade years. Like, oh, this dude right here is seventh grade. So, you know... Um, excuse me for a second. So I think it's creating a culture where guys are more comfortable saying, okay, I don't mind having another guy on my team or another two good guys on my team. You know what I mean? Because I think basketball, the way it's developed now through the AAU culture, is, isn't more, it's more of a fraternity. Like, oh, oh, you're a ball player, I'm a ball player. You know, we take care of each other, yada, yada type thing. So I think, yeah, these guys, are, I, think, I think the NBA is trending upward. I don't know about that coach's challenge. I don't know about it because I don't understand why you don't give two why or more than one because giving one, I mean, I guess you have to save it for the fourth quarter, but, I mean, it's basketball. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how well the, the challenge works in basketball, but they instituted it. I'm definitely going to be watching a lot of basketball this year, so uh, uh, I will, I'll be giving my thoughts on that when it happens. Uh, what else? Oh, yes, yes. Before, yeah, I, I can't go without saying this, so. Shout out to our women's, United States women national team. Won a fourth World Cup back to back. You know, shout out Megan Rapino, uh, Alex Morgan, you know, and the girls. You know, Tobin Heath. She looked funny, but she could ball though. Um, they brought it home for us. And I watched the games, and Alexi Lawless, I kind of like listening to his commentary because he's an American soccer man so he's like from America I mean born in the United States played soccer played for the United States national team so I, I like his opinion on United States soccer because he's you know excuse me he's so entrenched in it he's from it of it but he said that uh, going into the World Cup that the United States women's national team would struggle on defense and I didn't see it at all I mean a little bit maybe occasionally against France but not really and all, when, you, when you step back and look at the game because soccer is such like ah oh, uh, such build up and let down such anticlimactic. Then finally the climax is so good when they finally score a goal. So you tend to forget that when you sit back and think about the game. Sometimes like when I think back back about France and last year's World Cup, France dominated. It was never like when you look back and look at the games like yo it was never in question. And that's what the U.S. kind of did this year. Our women. And I want to start. I want to start something right now. I think as. I'm a United States men's national team soccer fan. I'm a United States soccer fan. I have a jersey. I, I root for the team. I plan to go to uh, a couple games and things. Chaz. That's Chaz in the background. Chaz, hush, bro. Come on, hush. I plan to go to a couple games. Um, 
And I live and die with those guys because I really want us to be good on the world level. I would like the United States to make it to, like, you know, a semifinal, World Cup semifinal. The men's, I, walk, I, mean, I mean, not the women, because the women are doing that. So I'm going to start by saying this. Forget the men, because the men lost in the Gold Cup again to Mexico. Again. And my thing is this. No disrespect to El Tri and Mexico and, 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 and Chicharito and uh, my man, I uh, forget my man's name, number 22. He's a baller too. Uh, but no disrespect to Mexico. But they're not a world contender on a World Cup level. Like, they don't. Like, yo, Mexico's not really that good. So it's like, if we can't beat Mexico, how seriously should we be taking you when it comes to World Cup qualifying? Last time, last year's World Cup, we didn't qualify. Panama qualified. Panama qualified. We didn't qualify. Panama. The country, the size of what? I don't even know. I don't know. But I know it's not bigger than the state of California, Texas. I'm just saying we can't find soccer players. We have all these people of all these ethnicities, and we can't field a good soccer team. We have Panama qualifying for the World Cup and the United States missing out. But yet our women can dominate. And I know maybe it takes time to develop a program, but we always say that. We got Christian Pulisic. Yeah, okay, that's cool. That's cool. We still he, It's not bringing us results. So that means it's more of the same. We're still playing Josie Altador, starting Josie Altador. Dude's missing one-on-one goals. He's always hurt. So I'm, I don't want to root for the men until they start winning meaningful games and showing me they can do something major like the women are doing. And I'm, people want to say that's not fair. No, it's definitely fair. It's definitely fair. Because last year was an embarrassment to the United States. You let Panama and Costa Rica qualify. And we're at Mexico. And, we're, and we are the United States. And we don't qualify. We don't, even, we don't at least qualify. And yet we, oh, we don't like to pay. You know what I'm saying? But we need to pay more attention to the women. Because the women are putting up championships on the board, four World Cup titles, back to back, doing it. Everybody thinks the world will catch up to us. Didn't happen. Defense was still sound. Striking was still sound. Mega Rapino on the wing. Mega Rapino taking penalties was sublime. Sublime. They tried to cheat us in the England game, but it was all good, though. So, yeah, man, let's, I'm, I'm throwing my full weight behind the United States women national team. I don't care about the men. To the men start doing something, man. I'm tired of the same old story. I read article after article after article about the men's national team and how it's coming. How we got this young player going to play at Dortmund. This young player, DeAndre Yedlin. I remember when DeAndre Yedlin had shown some flashes. And then he went out to uh, Tottenham. And he did nothing. He did nothing. We haven't won anything. We don't win games, man. We don't win major tournaments. We don't win games. We don't compete on a world level. And I'm tired of it as a fan. So I'm done. With the United States men's national team, United States, it's, it's all love between me and them. But I'm rooting for the ladies because the ladies put numbers on the board. You know what I mean? So, um, now, before I get up out of here, though, I want to say a couple things on a serious tip. Um, another thing that happened while I was gone was there was this meeting on Capitol Hill about... Uh, reparations and Tanahasi Colts and Danny Glover and dang I forgot the dude's name something Cruz Carlos Cruz something something his name something like that uh, he he went there uh, and they were speaking on and I guess and, and and I guess I thought I thought I'm just telling you what I thought they were going to be speaking on behalf and I guess Danny Glover did do that to some degree but this Cruz dude and I can't remember his name give me a second see if I can get it off Instagram right quick because yeah this dude this Cruz dude. He got on in front of Congress, right? At a hearing about reparations. He got up there and started talking about how black people, we don't deserve reparations, which as anybody who's listening to this podcast, I'm not going to rehash that argument here because um, I'll just frustrate myself. I'll just get riled up again. I don't want to do that. Um, But anybody that listens to my podcast knows so he gets up there and he says, you know, no, we don't. He doesn't think we should get reparations because um, slavery was so long ago. And I'm thinking, like, wow, like this is our, this is like this is our chance, right? And it makes you wonder how do people get placed in those positions? What I'm trying to find this dude. Give me a second. Give me a second. His 
His name's Coleman Cruz. His name's Coleman Cruz. And he sat up there on Capitol Hill in a, in a meeting to Congress and said that black people shouldn't get reparations. And he began to pontificate about things such as um, uh, it was so long ago. The people who should be getting it are the, the, the people that were directly involved with slavery. He doesn't feel like he should benefit over somebody else because he, they don't have the correct ancestry. And I just was listening to that and I was just shaking my head, man. And it just led me to the point, you know, a long time ago, um, me and a friend and I, we had a we had to talk about, you know, should black people, you know, because a lot of black people, we always talk about how we should do what we should do. And I've been a uh, victim of that. I've been guilty of doing that. And uh, I'm going to stop doing that. Because when I saw that on TV, it made me realize that there's not enough of us that really give a fuck about what we should be doing or really trying to right the wrongs or really care enough about, you know, the history and everything that's happened to us as a people. So I just, you know, I'm just going to fall back. I'm going to continue to do, you know, I'm going to continue to say my piece here and there, but because that right there was just like a gut punch to everything that I was trying to believe in because he sat up there and with the audience and he sat up there and said that black people don't deserve reparations because, you know, slavery was so long ago and the people that should get it were the descendants of slaves. And I don't want to get some money from me and somebody who doesn't have the ancestry that I have not benefit. Like, dude, what? Like, what? Like, what do you... So, yeah, from here on out, I just want to let that, um, you know, that I'm cool on that. So, if you know me as that guy that used to talk that pro-black stuff, don't hit me with that no more. That's dead, straight up. Uh, anyway, getting back to uh, the podcast, I appreciate everybody out there that was listening. Uh, even though I was been gone, the, 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 the listens have still been increasing, so I appreciate that. Uh, you can always subscribe to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Podcasts, YouTube, anywhere pretty much that you get podcasts, you can pretty much find my podcast. Um, if you like what you hear here, please subscribe, tell people about it. If you have any comments or suggestions, uh, you can inbox me at, uh, um, hit me, hit me directly on Twitter uh, at DMC for president. You can hit me on IG at DMC for president. I love interacting with people, traveling with people, debating sports, and even even politics. I'll talk politics on the podcast, but I'm never. Um, I'm, I'm. It's just going to be a lot different. But anyway, I appreciate everybody that's continued to listen. I appreciate everybody that's been asking for me to drop a new episode. I'm sorry that I kept you guys waiting. I was gone for so long, but I'm be grinding to make sure that that doesn't happen again because I need to be consistent with this thing. So I appreciate everybody though. The listeners have been out there, so thank you. Uh, until next time, y'all. Peace.